Welcome to the Magic Hour with Paulie Malinaji. Proudly representing his hometown of Brooklyn, New York. Paulie Malinaji is a two-time world champ and showtime boxing analyst. Joined by his sidekick, the world-famous Peter Cards, they break down boxing better than anyone on the planet. This is the Magic Hour. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing Location, different time. What are we going to call this thing? Yeah, I feel like we need a new slogan for the show, Seth. Magic hour. We don't. We need. We need like a different new place. Something. Something. What, what, what are we going to call the show, Seth? Like the magic hour. Like you mean like bounty has the quicker picker up? Or we need like a catchphrase? Yeah, yeah. We need like a catchphrase, uh, dude. You know, like every. I feel like every week with Broken for the World, we were like saying some cool stuff. We were naming the episodes. I don't know. I feel like with the magic hour, we need the. I don't know, we need a catchphrase. Maybe we can defer to Pete for a for a, a, a next catchphrase. It would be nice. I mean, you could do something. Yeah, except Pete's not on the show again. <laughs> <laughs> you guys. And he was late last week, too. Well, he was late last week. Yeah. I think Pete's, Pete's really slacking off on the Magic Hour. I don't know. The new, he's, new he's, show. We, got, we need the fans to really put put some pep in Pete's step and, and get him going, you know? Well, the problem oh, is it's called the Magic Hour, and he's disappeared. Yeah, well, that's one. That's one trick, I guess, for the magic hour, right? <laughs> you make make Pete disappear. You make Pete, Pete makes himself disappear. That could be the problem too. So aye, aye. We, um, had the, we had the fights. We had the fights over the weekend. Yeah, a lot of fights, man. We, Five big fights. Yeah, we did uh, a bunch of fights. Well, we did three of them. And there was a uh, there was a fox fights that I still haven't actually caught. Uh, the Santa Cruz and uh, the Amaris fight. Have you caught them yet? Seth? I did watch them. Yeah, I was um, I. I, I I'd like to get your opinion. I thought they stopped the Santa Cruz fight. They seemed like, you know, even though he was winning the fight, it seemed like they stopped it very abruptly. Was, that, was Avalos uh, giving a lot of uh, arguments? Was he, was yeah. he complaining about the stoppage? Yeah, he was. He was pissed, and he should have been. It just seemed like it was stopped out of nowhere. I mean, his hands were up. He was defending himself. It just didn't Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I think, uh, I think at day then, if you're in a world title fight, you should be allowed to... You know, I don't know if this is like making any sense, but you should be allowed to take a little more, more, bit more punishment in order to, uh, before getting stopped, if you want to continue, you want to try to keep winning the fight, you know? Yep. Yeah, I mean, Santa Cruz looked good. Uh, Mars looked good. You know, they're, obviously they're uh, headed toward a collision, which was a great fight a few years ago in 2015. I'm sure it'll be another great one. I saw I saw a um, tweet from um, Carl Franklin saying, congratulations, boys, on your length of Santa Cruz and Mars. And he said, um, you guys want to fight? You know, let me know or whatever. But something to that effect, you know. You think you see Brandon getting back in there? He's fighting, right? He's on the. I can check his schedule. I know he's got a fight on the on the docket. Let me take a look. I'll see if I can find it for you. Yeah, I know he's got a fight on the docket, but I'm saying obviously he wants to get back in with the big boys, you know. And, uh, of course, he's gonna have to wait his turn though. Wants a third fight in Santa Cruz. He wants a third fight against Santa Cruz, or maybe uh, he wants to get in there with Mars. But he's yeah. probably gonna have to wind up waiting for his turn because those guys are probably gonna wind up fighting each other, you know. I think they're definitely going to fight each other. I think that's what they're they're setting up for. Carl's fighting yeah. on uh, November 18th in uh, Ireland against Horatio Garcia. Horatio Garcia. All right, that's his first. That's his first fight under under a new deal. Um, under a new deal with uh, I think I believe he signed with Frank Warren. Actually, he left he left him at Wiggins, and I believe he signed with Frank Warren. I believe it. Yeah, no, no, I, I really think that's a fact. <laughs> like I, I think this is first. I think this is will be his first fight under the new contract. Is what I'm saying. 
Well, is there only one on who, who he's, who he's training with now? I know he, I know uh, Shane McGuigan was Barry's son. Obviously, you know when the when the split happened for the McGuigans, uh, promotionally, I uh, I know Shane and uh, and Carl also stepped away from each other. Who's he already working with? I mean, obviously at this point, I'm sure he's training if he's playing November 18th. I'm gonna take a look and see if I can find for it. Uh, Jamie Moore. Jamie Moore. Oh, okay. Wow. Jamie Moore. Yeah, Jamie Moore's a good good young trainer. He's a ex a very he's a ex fighter, very exciting fighter. If anybody never seen Jamie Moore fight Matthew Macklin for the uh, European title, I think I believe it was the European title fight was years ago. But it, this was basically like the European version of Gotti versus Ward. I mean, this was like oh wow. Oh, how broke loose. Yeah, Jamie Moore versus uh, Matthew Michael. All out, rough him up, sock him out type of, type of fight. Uh, one of the most one of the most exciting fights you'll see. Hmm. Uh, that'll, that'll be the home of the time in front of any listeners who haven't watched that fight. I mean, we have a lot of listeners from the UK, so I'm sure they're familiar with it. But whoever's not familiar with it, uh, check it out on YouTube. Jamie Moore versus uh, Matthew Michael. And that's, that, was all, that was World War, bro. I'm gonna write it down. I'm gonna look for it. I'm, I'm surprised he split him and McGuigan seem like they're really tight. I guess they had a falling out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess when you leave the father emotionally, I guess the, maybe the son didn't want to deal with it or whatnot. I, I, um, I believe that's kind of the. I guess I got the sense. I, I seem like the sense that, that that I got from that the whole thing. You know, was mm-hmm. that uh, was that I uh, you know, the McGuigan just wanted to part ways altogether. They wasn't gonna be anything promotional. And Shane wasn't gonna be involved in training called nonetheless. You know, so it was. I'm sure. I'm sure some bad blood, probably a little bit of bad blood there. Yeah, well, I'm sure if he looks good, he'll be right in the mix for you know maybe the winner or or another title fight at 126. Absolutely, I think so. I think so. I mean, yeah, and he'll deservedly be in the mix if he's you know if he gets himself back in back in the saddle and, and looking good and obviously on TV well, and getting big fights and getting big wins, you know. So we'll see. But first, with Mars and Santa Cruz, I mean, based on how they look Saturday, would you think who, who, who would you think a, a fight between the two would be or a rematch between the two, between the two would be like? I don't know. I, I I'm a big Santa Cruz fan because um I I like the way he made adjustments. Like you guys weren't even you know a lot of guys weren't sure he could make those adjustments against Frampton, and he did. He just I think he's a better yeah. fighter than people thought I mean, he was. Yeah, I mean he's a better fighter than I thought he was. You know, and not that he was a better fighter to begin with, but right. you know he showed different dimension when you when you, you know it's one thing to show me a skill set in a certain dimension, but then when you actually able to change dimensions, it uh, it impresses me uh, a, a, a bit more. You know. I think so, he, he's just. I didn't think Leo had that change of dimensions in him, and uh, obviously he did. <laughs> I remember when I had I had him about it. I'm like, bro, we gotta see you fight like that more often. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, you'd be throwing guys for a loop if you go box like that, and then also come forward and take guys out with a uh, with a heavy uh, uh, arsenal of of, um, of 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 a lot of punches thrown. You know what I'm saying? Of activity, no less. That's what I was looking for. Activity. You know, this guy also was stepping back, jabbing, and countering. I mean, it was it was it was something nice to watch in that Frampton rematch. He's one of my favorite fighters. He works so hard, and I mean, him and Morris are going to be incredible. Yeah. And yeah, just and also two very two very likable guys, two real cool guys. Uh, and it's also a Southern California turf battle, so you know you'll always get the the Mexican Americans over there and just the California crowd out there. You know, really, really get into it. You know, um, but when when those guys fight, let alone when they fight each other, which is just. Um, it makes for some immense uh, an immense promotion, you know. So I look forward to that. Plus, plus you have the fact that they fought once already. It was a it was a really exciting fight. So everything comes into play for a, a, an exciting rematch in the new year. I think, you know. And before we get to your card, there was one other uh, title fight in uh, London on Saturday. Yeah. It was a World Boxing Super Series, right, with uh, George Groves. Yep, Groves against Cox. Yeah, it was Jamie Cox. You know, right, Jamie Cox. Is that his name? Yep, Jamie? it is. George 
put himself into the next round of the World Boxing Super Series where he'll meet Chris Eubank. And I love that fight. I'll tell you, I love that fight. You know, the funny thing about George Groves, he's a really good fighter. I think he's one of those guys, though, that he has such a tough schedule as far as getting title fights because, you know, obviously, Bobby Jackson not an easy title fight. And then um, he lost a, a, a title fight also before the Bobby Jackson. Who did he lose a title fight to? We'll see. He, he lost two all title fights. I'll tell you in a second. He lost to Bobby Jack. And I, who did he else lose to? Those three fights total. He lost yeah. to Bado Jack in uh, 2015, September. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And he lost, two for, uh, he lost to Carl Froch. That's right. He no, did. yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I was going to forget the Froch fight. So the one we stadium in front of 80,000 people. Right? So the rematch, anyway, I worked it. But, yeah, so, you know, he's, uh, he's a guy that he's, he's done his best years. He had some really tough title fights. And, you know, maybe he couldn't, couldn't get over the hump. Um, I think in his prime, even though he's championship material. And when I saw him fight Chudinov, I was very happy for him to see him win the world title. I thought he's a guy that deserved it. Had a, he's a guy that, you know, uh, has had a tough schedule. I mean, this is a kid that beat James DeGale early in both their careers. The fact that he even fought early in both their careers is nuts, you know. But, you know, he has a win over James DeGale as well. So I, I was like, I was happy for him to finally get over the hump and win the world title. That we thought he was championship material. But the Chudinov fight, I, I just, I wasn't convinced as far as I actually think Groves is a little past his best. You know what I'm saying? Like, I actually think Groves was better in during the fights with uh, Froch or even uh, uh, the Bobby Jack fight. You know, I, I think Groves showed me a bit more in those fights, just the opponents were better. You know, so oddly and ironically enough, I, I'm happy he's a world champion. This is a guy who obviously deserves it, but I don't think he's as good of a fighter as he was uh, a, few years, a few years back, you know, when he actually didn't have the world title, you know? So... I want to see. I'm curious to see uh, how he looks against Eubank because I think Eubank is actually on, uh, ascending. I think he's getting better and better. I think he's becoming a better and better fighter. Uh, he's more than just the Eubank name now. I mean, he may, he's starting to create his own legacy. You know, he's starting to create his own name, which is not easy to do when you have a father as famous as, uh, as his father was. And also it's not easy to do because most of the time these sons are just following in their father's footsteps, not because they really want to box, but because half the time they're just trying to pick up the name saw their father box, and they got a little older. They never boxed in their life. They're like, oh, my father did it. I want to do it, too. And they're just picking up press off the last name. The Eubank is really actually making, starting to create his own name here with uh, look, look exciting. Uh, um, and uh, he knows how to fight. He's not just the Eubank last name. He, he knows how to fight, you know? Um, so uh, I think it's going to be a really fun fight. I hope we can get this damn fight in the U.S., man. It's all boxing super series. They don't show it in the U.S. I was told there's a, they have a channel on DirecTV 20 because I have DirecTV. Um, I forget what it's called, though. There's a channel on DirecTV. Is the is Audience Channel or something? Is, it, is that what it's called, Audience Channel? I think so. I'll find out for you. For anybody that has DirecTV, Audience Channel has uh, gets these World Boxing Super Series fights, so I'm going to start looking for them. I couldn't check for Saturday because I had to be at Barclays Arena too early. When I work, I have to be at the arena earlier in the day to start rehearsing and stuff. But yeah, Audience Network, that's right. It's Audience, audience Network. So for the future, I mean, on, on days for where I have the World Boxing Super Series, I'm going to check if I have this channel, man, because, you know, if I do... That's where that's really lit for me, man. Because then I can I can actually watch the fights, and it, it, it's not even on the nighttime; it's on in the afternoon here in in, uh, in the U.S. You know, I can I can actually catch these fights. So I'm uh, you know, I'll have to look for anybody out there as well in the U.S. Well, if you have the audience channel, let me know. Let me know if you guys have been getting these fights, or if you guys have been watching the fights on this channel. So I can actually uh, check it out myself. You know? and, and you mentioned he lost to Bado Jack, and that was a split decision too. So it wasn't like he got yeah. smoked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I didn't think it should have been a split. I thought Badu clearly won the fight. But I thought uh, I thought George, you know, didn't do himself a disservice. Like I thought George fought well. As is Badu, is the kind of fighter who's getting better and better, you know. And uh, it was 
it was during Badu's like you know ascension as well. You know, like that was around the time where people didn't weren't realizing how good Badu was actually getting. You know, so the goal fight was actually going in there a risk. I remember Badu dropped him right in round one. He dropped him. You know, and then uh, but George got up and fought back and fought valiantly, and you know it was a good fight. You know, George is no slouch, and you know, he, he's well deserving of his world title. I just uh, I don't know. I mean, right now if I had to really make somebody a favorite in that fight right now, I think I'd make Eubank the favorite. You know, but it's a it's a fun fight, and I really I, I mean I don't I don't make that pick I don't make that pick with any kind of conviction. You know, I I I still think you know it, it's the kind of fight where you you'd be dumb to actually be be secure enough in yourself to take a win and actually bet on it and think you're actually going to guarantee yourself a win, you know? I think that thing is one of the fights where, but those are the kind of fights I will, you enjoy when, when they're actually on, when they're fighting, you know? So it'll be, a, it'll, it'll be something. I look forward to uh, checking that out. Plus, all British rivalries are always fun, uh, and obviously this is this one's going to be no different. Plus, look, both these guys are really good talkers, by the way, you know? But Eubank has this demeanor about him, quiet and confident, but he'll talk shit. And then Grove is a real shit talker, as we've seen in his rivalries with the Gale, you know. So I, I, I think, I think the promotion could be fun too, you know. I mean, we're not gonna have Ahmed Owen or yelling and then threatening to kill people, uh, like we did in the in the, <laughs> in the yield dream versus uh, in the yield dream versus Eubank press conference. But still, I, I think it'll it'll be fun. It'll be fun, you know. Yes, sir. Well, let's let's talk about your fights that you were uh, ringside for. Look at that great yeah, photo yeah, of you. A big junior middleweight card uh, over at Barclays Center Saturday. Obviously, we did the weigh-in show. We we had uh, Thurman and Spence, which I thought was really fun. Yep. I thought it was really fun to have those guys on. Uh, into, you know, I, I really think it's important to, for the fight, for fans to get to know not just the fighters as fighters, but also the fighters as people. You know, these are all every fighter comes from their own world, their own personality, their own background, their own uh, their own personal life. And you know, it's, I think it's really cool when you when we get to sit down with these guys and actually go in depth a little bit about their personal lives and you know things they like and they don't like. Uh, I thought it was really, um, really uh, eye-opening, you know, with Keith giving us a little insight into his personal life and whatnot and all that, all that cool stuff. And obviously, Errol is a, is a kid who's still on the rise. He just won the world title, so he's just chomping at the bit to just fight everybody, you know. And, uh, and you know, anybody that's been at that point in their careers where they, they're fresh champions or they're chasing big fights, you know, you know what I'm talking about. It's a different feeling than it is when you when it's later in your career when you kind of already had that, you know. So, you know, you get excited about listening to Errol speak. And I will speak about, you know, his hunger and the desire to get in there with the big fight, with the big guns as well. Um, I think, you know, I think it'll really be a lot of fun. I think it'll be a lot of fun when they finally do fight each other. I think that fight's going to be a ton of fun. And oh, I think, yeah. I think the fans are going to win either way, you know. And I'll tell you, those two guys were just great representatives of, representatives of the sport, man. Just two great guys. Yeah, likable guys. I mean, honestly, if I was a Giants fan, I'd probably, you know, give him a couple extra points. But <laughs> I, he, because he, him being a Cowboys fan, he probably... You know, he probably he probably lose a little bit of luster, but Paulie, you, know, we'll, you gotta win. A, you gotta win. We'll give him a pass. We'll give him a pass. The Giants yeah, won a game. You ain't kidding, bro. <laughs> Nobody's second time. Two touchdowns on the Dolphins. They won. Unbelievable. Right. They, they won by almost two touchdowns. <laughs> crazy, right? You can't figure football's crazy this year. You can't figure it out. But I'll tell you what it is. Sometimes the teams just don't give a shit. You know, you're playing a team that's 0 five and can't play worth shit. Sometimes you end up going out and hanging out. It's funny. I was talking to Antonio Pierce uh, uh, a couple weeks ago. I, I saw him in. Um, in a, a vivid uh, strip club, I was hanging out over there, and Antonio Pierce, a former Giant, is over there, and he's telling me, and I was telling him about the O.A. team, the one where Placido ended up shooting himself, and uh, everything went up in smoke, you know. Yeah. And I was telling him, you know, we're talking about, you know, this team, this year's team, and I was telling him, but I was the best Giant team I ever saw in my life, and they didn't even win anything, you know, because once Placido shot himself, everything went up in smoke. I'd never seen a Giant team that good. 
I said, but what the fuck happened to you guys during that Browns game? Because that was the only loss they had. If you remember, I don't know. How, Ten and one, right? They started 11 and one. The only loss was the head of Browns. So I was like, what the fuck happened in that Browns game, bro? And he's like, well, we just, they were all in four. We're coming in. He goes, we, we hung out all night. We didn't think these guys were going to play. He goes, then they scored two quick touchdowns. And I said, we were looking at each other like, damn, bro. He goes, you guys came out to play. You know? <laughs> so I think, I think the Broncos got a case of, got, got a severe case of, uh, of what happened to the Giants and Browns. That year, I think the, the 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 Broncos probably look at the Giants like this team absolutely sucks. You know, we can we can sometimes you mentally sleep on them, and then they came out to play. But, you know, an all in five team wants to win a game at least. You know, but not to like, mention you know, the injuries too. They lost the last couple of their top two receivers too. Yeah, yeah, Brandon Marshall and uh, and Beckham. I don't know. Crazy. I, I wouldn't get too confident about the Giants upcoming no. season, <laughs> despite the the big win yesterday. I think it was more to do with the Broncos sleeping than. The Giants don't anything in particular. Probably. Yeah. Anyway, so after the junior midway fights, we have we had the fights on Saturday night. We had the uh, uh, the opening fight. The opening TV fight turned out to be probably the most fun fight, you know, uh, without a doubt. Uh, oh God, yeah. Gershay and Hurd. I mean, not Gershay and Hurd. Trout and Hurd. Hurd and Trout. Um, and Hurd is starting to get the reputation of being a bit of a slow starter, but it takes the fight to you and he. He's got this awkwardness to him where he'll like cross his feet, but he's able to shoot shots from both stances in a way where he doesn't plant himself in both stances. Like he doesn't like actually come out and fight through the top forever. But as he's punching, his punches kind of like have this way about them, this openness about them where as he's punching, he'll kinda of, like switch his feet over and he'll be punching out of the top four stance randomly. But then if, if there's any kind of distance he'll go back to, to the right hand stance. He, he doesn't actually plant he doesn't actually plant himself in any kind of uh, of southpaw stance. He just he winds up there sometimes. And, he's, and I thought at the stoppage at the end, he was starting to land some really good left crosses on Trout. You know, he landed about three really hard left crosses on Trout in the last round. Credit to Austin Trout, a, a, a veteran who was who kind of, in his mind, was fighting for for that, a certain amount of respect, um, a certain amount of respect that, you know, maybe people weren't giving him because, you know, he started to think that a guy shot or that a guy's done. And I, and I kind of been through this. When people don't see you, all of a sudden, like for a little while, suddenly you're shot just because they haven't seen you. And it's not that it has nothing else to do with anything else. They literally they're just based it on Austin Trotter's shot because they haven't seen him. And I've been through that before myself. You know, I remember uh, I played Walsh to Khan and I had, I, had a, so I had to have some low level TV fights in between. And then I suddenly was fighting for the world title. And nobody picked me. It was like they, it was like they, they forget about you just because they, they don't see you. Like suddenly, it's not, it's not that you actually can't fight, it's that. Because they haven't seen you in their mind, they decided that you're just shot, you know, for some reason. I think Austin Trout, if there's one thing he proved Saturday, that he's not shot. You know, I think Austin was doing very well in the fight. Early on, I, early on, I thought Austin was going to win the fight. I mean, early on, yep. Austin was doing that well. But I'll be honest with you, Heard told us in the fighter meeting, he said, nothing counts in the beginning. He goes, the beginning of what Harrison, we were, just getting the, we were just getting started. We were walking him down. We knew we were going to get to him eventually. He goes, no, we don't. We don't worry about what happens at the beginning of the fight. We know once we get started, we're gonna start tracking you down, and we're gonna get to you. And I gotta be honest. I gotta be honest. I thought this. I thought Trout. I was like, no, Trout is not Harrison. Trout is more experienced. If Trout gets started on a, on a better foot, he's gonna know how to hold on at the end of the fight. And then if he gets rough, he's gonna know how to, how to be able to win the fight. But nah, man, her just didn't let him do it. I, I'm so I was wrong. I mean, I had to, I had to say I should have I should have I should have took more heard heard word for it. That when Trout was doing good, I should have been like, I, you know, heard did say this is gonna happen. You know? And so, for you know, for anybody who didn't see this fight, it was a great fight. These guys were hitting each other. They were going at it, and you know, most of the fight. And then uh, you know, I think Trout slowed down at the end. So if you yeah, guys haven't seen it, you got to see it. 
Working hard does very well, though. He makes you feel like you have to fight more than you do. You know, like, hard brings you this weird physical and mental pressure to where he feel he, he starts to make you feel like you gotta you gotta you gotta fight him off at every second. You know, because probably I thought Harrison was doing it, and I thought that Harrison's just not experienced enough. You know, like he he doesn't realize he doesn't always have to fight this. He can he can you know he can do other things to kill time here, even though hard is bringing it because hard is bringing it in a weird awkward way that. You don't even know how to get away half the time because he's switching stances in there. He's throwing punches on awkward angles. So all of a sudden, you don't know where you should be to be resting, you know? So I, but I thought Trout, um, I thought Trout was going to be able to figure out a way, being he's got that veteran experience. But even Trout, so obviously, if he was able to do it to even the Trout, Hurt is something, man. Hurt is uh, not something you, somebody you sleep on, you know? He's, he's, uh, there's obviously something up there. There's, there's a method to his mayhem. There's a mecha- mechanism of thinking there, so it's uh, it's interesting, you know. I and mean, from a fan's perspective, it seemed like he's very strong and he can take it. Like he just seems like he's a really strong yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can take it. I mean, he doesn't always take everything cleanly. He's kind of riding with a lot of shots, but still, nonetheless, he can take it. And uh, and he's a strong guy. Definitely, he's a strong guy. I mean, we've seen some of his highlight reel knockouts in the past. You know, uh, he's got he's got a big shot with that right hand, uh, especially the uppercut, which actually didn't land. Um, I don't know if he landed any right hand uppercut this fight, but. But uh, he, he's definitely a strong puncher, so um, he, he that keeps him going, which leads us right into the next fight. It leads us into the Jamel Charlo Erickson moving fight, Ooh. which I I was well, was probably the fight I was most looking forward to. And sometimes you end up getting things like this, man. You know, it, it reminds me of like Jacobs and Quillen too, where I thought it was going to be a great fight, and then somebody gets caught in the fight ends. You know, uh, I think this fight was one of those two. I was looking forward to. it. I thought this was going to be a great fight. I still believe Erickson Lubin is a tremendous fighter. Uh, he got caught, and then the fight just ends like that. I remember thinking this when Trinidad and Vargas fought. Uh, you remember that fight, Seth? Yep, I saw it. I remember when Trinidad and Vargas fought, and Trinidad dropped Vargas once, and he dropped him twice. I remember thinking to myself, wow, this sucks. This was going to be such a great fight, and now it's going to end in round one. How fucking shitty is this? People may get excited for first-round knockouts, but for me, when it's two great fighters fighting, I get disappointed. Yeah. Because, you know, you got to be conscious in order to be fighting, and somebody gets their consciousness taken away from them, you know, suddenly you can't fight, you know, even though they're both great fighters. You know, you don't get to, you don't get to actually see a fight. So I think that's what happened. Obviously, Vargas ended up getting up, and we ended up getting the fight that everybody expected was just was a tremendous fight. And obviously, if everybody remembers, Trinidad ended up stopping Vargas in the 12th round of a, of a tremendous fight. But, you know, when the ter- in the situation with Jacobs and Quillen, never got out of round one, so you, you end up disappointed, you know. Now with this situation, uh, Charlo and Lubin, the same thing. Didn't, the fight, the, the fight ends in round one. You know, so you don't actually get to see a fight start to evolve. Because really, a fight starts to evolve. You know, round one is you look to feel out round, and I thought they were basically having a feel out round. You know, they weren't really stepping in with anything hard. They were snapping out good jabs. You could see the the pedigree on both fighters, uh, just in their stances and their, the way they were relaxed, the way they were snapping out shots, even if they weren't landing. And then I'll tell you, man, Charlo set a nice trap. I'll tell you. What a nice trap he said, you know, with that jab, he made, made Lubin dip down. And, um, you know, usually you dip him down that way, usually because it's, it's a straight right hand that's coming across. And so, you know, you'll dip underneath it. But Charlo threw that jab out there, and knowing Lubin was going to dip, and then just stepped in real hard with that right hand. Oof. It was, it was a weird it. angle, man. It was, so, it was hard to even, yeah. it was hard yeah, to even I see honest, it. I think, I think it was partially like a forearm. I don't think a punch landed on the knuckle. I think it was like forearm slash punch, you know? Yeah. It reminds me, you know what I think had a knockdown like this? I think Roy Jones dropped Calzaghi with that kind of shot. It wasn't Hopkins. I don't remember exactly. I, I, I think... He I did drop Calzaghi, I think, right early in the fight. Yeah. Yeah. Was it was it the Jones fight? I, I think... Yes. 
I think it might have been Roy Jones or Calzaghe, and I, I think it was like, and, and Calzaghe also got hit with what I felt looked like a, a, a forearm type of shot, you know? Um, because, you know, you run out of room to kind of with the uppercut, you know? And as you're stepping in, you run out of room, so you don't get it turned all the way. And then, you know, instead of, I mean, you're turning it, you end up just you know, landing with the wrist party where, you know, because the shot is on the way. Um, obviously, he knocked out Ruben Cole, unfortunately. And so, you know, that we didn't get to see a great fight. But obviously, it puts an exclamation point on, on Jamal Charlo's title reign so, thus far, you know, because now he's, he went, he's looking more and more impressive every fight. You know, he's got, you have the John Jackson fight where you're wondering what the hell happened to this guy because he looked terrific his whole career. You know, I was always impressed with Jamal Charlo. Um, so and you only you see the John Jackson fighter, you know, and I'm like, what the hell happened to this guy, man? You know, in every round, like he looks confused. And then he gets Jackson out of there. Uh, I thought it was one of the weird stoppages. I thought Jackson just quit there, but whatever it is, what it is. Then the the Charles Hatley fight, you know, Hatley comes in with a bit of a uh, of a sleeper reputation because he's with Don King. You haven't seen him. He had a great amateur career, and Jamel gets a great high, great knockout, a good performance, and uh, really stamps himself as a world champion with that defense. And not the Eric's a Lubin defense. I think really, really puts a, a stamp on things. You know, like Lubin, uh, you can call him untested. You can call him whatever. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call him what I was calling him before this fight because I don't care. I still think he's terrific and I think he's talented. He's one, of, he's one of the best young fighters in boxing. If you eliminated one of the best young fighters in boxing like that, you get credit for it. You know, I, I still believe this would have been a great fight if they got out of round one. But I gotta be honest with you, you got it didn't get out of round one, and that's credit to Jamal Charlo. And, uh, you know, you got you to gotta give, give him credit for that. You got to give him credit for that. I, I still believe Lubin, if he wants to come back, um, he will be back. Some people are going to say it's too much too soon. I don't believe it was. I believe Lubin was ready for the fight. You just get caught sometimes. I don't think getting caught has anything to do with too much too soon at all. It wasn't like he caught right. a bad beating. I think when it, you catch a bad beating, then you say, all right, it was too much too soon. I don't, Lubin didn't catch a bad beating. He just got clipped in round one and he got caught. I don't think it, that makes it a case of anything being too much too soon. I still think Lubin's a world-class fighter, and I, think, I still think Lubin, you can put Lubin in there with any world-class fighter, and he'll perform to, to what he can perform with. That's just my opinion. You know, it helps Charlo to, uh, to be able to prepare with another Southpaw, being Errol Spence. It's, it's, it's a great uh, sparring partner. Oh, to absolutely. Have. Absolutely. I mean, you, you, you know, don't remember that Jermel has had some great Southpaw sparring in his career, because even when he was in the Ronnie Shields training camp, let's face it, he had a Ruslan Yolanda training camp, you know? So, he's, he, uh, Jermel is no, is, no, is, no, is no dummy when it comes to left-handers. He's had some... He's, He's gotten some, a lot of rounds of sparring in his career with some great left-handers. First it was Lara when he was in the Monty Shields training camp, and now it's obviously Errol Spence in, uh, in the, uh, uh, what's his trainer's name? Oh, he's Errol's trainer's name, too. Oh, they're going to kill me, man. What's his name? I'll find it. Uh, hey, in, in the meantime, while I'm looking, what, what happened with the camps? And Somebody threw something at Jamal? What was going on there? Somebody threw a chair in Jamal's, uh, somebody threw a chair in Jamal's training camp, you know? I mean, in Jamal's corner, uh, over to the corner. And they all held both loose. Yo, they chased that kid. You guys have seen it on camera. There was like 15 entourage people from the Charlo team that chased that kid to the locker room. Whoever threw the chair just sprints right by us in the, by, by our, our Jesus. by ringside. And then literally you saw like 15 team Charlo jackets chasing after him. I don't know what happened, but man, if they, got, if they caught that guy in the back, I feel bad for him. Oh, God, yeah. Maybe security stopped them. I don't know. There's a lot of security involved. Well, you throw a chair at somebody, you deserve to get beat up. Yeah, but man, I'll tell you, if they caught that guy, uh, he might, I don't know, he might still be in the hospital. Because I swear they were, he, got, he was getting chased by like 15 dudes, bro. <laughs> was what was bad. he thinking? What was, what was he thinking? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess we weren't there. So, I mean, yeah, I Jamel know. was pissed, man. Rightfully so. I mean, you know, I'm going to piss too if I get somebody throw a chair at me. 
God, I'm, 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 this is killing me. What is what is your Merlin Ellis training? It's mean? Derek James. Derek, that's what it is. I keep wanting to say Stephen Edwards. I don't know why. Derek, that's what it is. Derek James, yeah. Uh, yeah I've seen him many times, obviously. And he's a smart, good, young good young trainer, man. And obviously, he's uh, training two of the best fighters in the sport. You know, so it's, uh, it's good stuff there. And then afterwards, you know, they asked Jermel who he wants to fight. And Jermel's kind of on the spot. You know, he's feeling himself right now. He's got the first round knockout. He's feeling himself. And... He, he didn't. I don't think he picked Jared Hurd just just because he picked him. I think he just picked him just because he just fought before him. You know, so it was like it was like the first name on his it's mind. Kind of funny, <laughs> but, because when, the way he answered the question, it wasn't like he had thought about okay, next after I win on Saturday, I'm gonna want to pick this guy. It literally just came out of nowhere. Like who, who just fought Hurd? Oh yeah, I want him. I want Hurd. <laughs> Because in the fighter meeting the day before, he was saying how, you know, he wouldn't mind fighting Lara now, you know. Uh, Lara, you know, he's not in the camp anymore. He wouldn't mind fighting Arislan Lara. And Lara had also mentioned in the fighter meeting that, yeah, man, you know, uh, sometimes it's a business. Um, and Jamel left the camp. Um, so if we fight, we fight, you know. So it's, uh, I, I think that's, that, that, that makes for some real, real interesting stuff. Because that kind of leads us to the next point, which is Lara's fight with Gachet, which I thought was supremely boring. Yeah. But I, th- I think that's due to Lara's opponents. Lara's, uh, Lara is obviously a, a very effective fighter, but he's a guy that, in order to bring his best out of him, you got to be good enough to do it, you know? And I never, I wasn't, listen, I like Terrell Deshaies. I think he's, you know, he's, he's gotten the most out of his ability. He's been an Olympian. Um, he's, he's a good dude every time you see him, you know, and he's the kind of guy you want to root for. But at day's end, he hasn't really improved a lot since he turned pro. You know, he hasn't really shown you, like, that extra dynamic to where you can there's a switch that gets switched in somebody's career where it's like oh man he's really progressing he's starting to really come around as a professional. Gachet has just looked pretty ordinary throughout his career, you know, um, suffering knockdowns against nondescript opposition, um, close fights against nondescript opposition. You know, they got him here. They got him here because they moved him the right way. They moved him well, he, and you know he works hard and all that, all that stuff. But the Lara fight, I mean, he barely. He barely made a lot of worry. I mean, it was like whatever, you know. I mean, and you you have to be good enough to bring that out of Lara, you know. I mean, Gachet wasn't the kind of guy that was ever going to do it. But I think Jamel, you put Jamel and Lara against each other, and I think you have some fireworks in the ring, and I also think you have some stuff to talk about outside the ring, you know, the extracurricular stuff because these guys were former gym mates and former team members, and now they're not, but they're still rivals in the same weight class, and they, you know, they're still training in the champions. Same- and then cha- and champions, of course. So, let me ask you a question, though, Paulie. Say you're Jamel Charlo. If you have to pick between Lara and Hurd, I think I know who I'd pick. Who would you pick? Um, uh, I don't know. You know, I I don't know. I don't know because you uh, got to understand. You got to understand this too. Lara, people are gonna look at Lara's performance Saturday as that. Maybe he's losing a step. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't really impressive. Uh, Hurd, Hurd is hittable. Hurd is strong, man. Hurd is strong. Yeah, you but, know, and, and so, Hurd. And Hurd also, you don't really know how to time him yet. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's got a weird style to him. You don't know how to time him. Sometimes you want the evil you know rather than the evil you don't. You know what I'm saying? I feel um, like though. And I'm not, and I'm not saying that, that, that Lara is the choice. I'm saying right. there's a different thing. You've got to put the perspective when you're making that choice. That's a tough choice. For me, I feel like the, the shots that Trout was hitting Hurd with, if Jermel's hitting those shots, I don't, I don't know how much he can take from Jermel because Jermel seems like his power yeah, keeps getting Jermel, better and better. But Jermel's also not going to put eight punches together. When you're putting that many punches together in a combination, you're taking stuff off them. You know, like you're, you're a harder puncher when you're a, a two and three punch guy, you know, when you're a seven and eight punch guy, you're not punching as hard anymore because, you know, in order to throw that many punches, you're taking something off them. 
you know. So uh, pull him down many punches in a row anyway, you know. Yeah. So, so it's a different kind of fight. It evolves completely, completely differently. Um, I, I think the Lara fight is more sellable because of the 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 in-house kind of beef because that there's a subtle tension between those two now, you know. Yeah. There's a subtle, there's a subtle tension, and also you have to understand Jamal trains with Ronnie, the Jamal's brother. But obviously he's not going to go against his brother, you know. So you got Jamal in Ronnie's gym. That's going to get weird. You know, you're going to have, you know, Ronnie's not going to want Jamal in the gym. He's going to tell Ronnie, listen, you got to get this guy out of here, you know? Wait, they split you know, up, the, the twins split up trainers? He's still you with don't the... know, You don't know how Jamal's going to take that. You know what I'm saying? You don't know how, how Jamal's going to take that, you know? Uh, with Jamal's with Derrick James, but Jamal's still with Ronnie Shields, you know? Wow. I didn't realize so, they split trainers. They split up. Yeah, so, so, and having that, I mean, that might piss off. I mean, we all know Jamal's going to take his brother's back as a twin brother. But in having that, you know, Jamal may feel some type of way about Ronnie telling him, listen, bro, you can't be in the gym. You know, Eric Ronnie's got to train for your brother. I can't have you here, you know? Um, so, but it's even putting Ronnie in a tough situation, and it's put, it, it, it's, it creates a lot of tension, which is great for a storyline for fans and stuff sure. like that. But, uh, but I don't know how much of a, I don't, I don't, I don't know how much of a, an, an, an in-house, an inside beef you're going to create over there in Houston with that, you know, with Jamal being in the camp. And now it's one of the training for his brother and whatnot. It's, it's all interesting stuff. It's all interesting stuff that could be discussed if they make that fight, you know? Oh, absolutely. That's definitely interesting. And um, I think Laura, I think Laura would be a, he's, he's one of those guys. It's, he's really good, and he's, he's easy yeah, yeah, to overlook. Yeah, a lot of those spring chickens. A lot of those got to chase the biggest fights. You know, he's always been a guy who's chased the biggest fights. It's credit to him. You know, he's, even the ones he hasn't gone, he's always chased them. You know, he's been, he was the guy who was always calling on Golovkin when nobody wanted to fight him. Um he, he wanted Canelo. He wanted the rematch of Canelo, and Canelo wouldn't give it to him. And that with that very close fight, um, I thought he got robbed against Rob Blind against Paul Williams uh, back in the day. Yeah, is no slouch, bro. No slouch. No and, doubt. And neither is Jamel. Uh, it, it would make some it, that junior middleweight. I tell you, I keep talking about the junior middleweight division. It is so much fun. There's so many good fighters in there. You can never run out of possible matchups. It's just as long as fans aren't. So unforgiving that when a guy gets beat, they totally write him off because these guys can be put right back in there against each other. You just mix and match them. Whoever wins, whoever loses, mix and match. Continue mixing and matching them because this is how many good fighters are on this weight class. It's a sick, sick weight class. I don't know that I've ever been alive to see a weight class with this many good fighters. I mean, coming up on like the 20th of October or around then, you're gonna have a, a, a Bubu Andre fight uh, on face Fox. You know, Andre Fox nobody even knows about him. He's six five. You know Jesus. What I mean? Actually, actually. I might be lying. That might be a junior. That might be a middleweight fight. I don't think for a junior middleweight because I know he has a draw against Frank Galarza. Galarza, um, by mind you, was a good New York prospect, but he lost to Jared Hurd in a battle of undefeated a couple of years ago. Uh, so actually, no, I might be lying. They might have made Boo Boo move up in weight, but I don't think Boo Boo Andre is moving up in weight because he wants to. I think Boo Boo might be moving up in weight just to get the fight, you know, just to, just to get a TV fight, you know. But even those two, uh, I know for one, Boo Boo. May still be able to make junior middleweight. Uh, Alantes was a junior middleweight. Uh, like I said, he has the draw against Galarza at junior middleweight. I don't know if he can still make junior middleweight. At six five, I don't. Maybe he grew out of the weight class. I wouldn't find anybody who's six five to be, uh, and and can make junior middleweight to be unbelievable. You know, so maybe he filled out and he's at middleweight now. But nonetheless, you still have guys who are seeping in the background, like guys like Banis, for example. You know, that, that, that kid's always dangerous. You know, he's, you never hear about him, but he's always dangerous. Um, Trout lost a close fight. He's always throwing me around. Erickson Lubin, I don't care what anybody tells me, Erickson Lubin will be a world champion one day if he believes in himself. And, and I think Erickson Lubin will come and come back strong and be, and want to kick, kick some ass. So you still have to keep him in there. He's still a nasty, nasty fighter, you know? You have, uh, 
Most you have. Jamal, Jamal, Jamal's brother moves up and weight to 160, so he's left. You, you have, uh, you saw the, the Jackson, John Jackson, the one that fought Jamal for the title. Uh, obviously he's, he remains dangerous. I mean, he was, be, he was beating Jamal when he got stopped. You know, you have him. You have, uh, uh, who else we got? We got, um, we have, uh, who's the guy that, who's the guy that Boobo beat last year? He was pretty good too. We got a Boobo beat last year at the Turning Stone Casino. Sorry, uh, he's from he's from Cleveland. Uh, he's from Ohio. He's from Ohio. Uh, okay. Tall, no. no, tall kid. He's a tall kid. Oh, Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson yeah. still remains viable. You know, he's probably in the second half of the top ten, if not top fifteen. You know, but he's a pretty solid guy. You know, he's a guy that you know you can't play with. Willie Nelson gonna come. Will come and fight you. You know, you have him. You have uh, uh you have Cole, Obviously, you he's have, retiring. He's out. Well, whatever. He's still there. He's still WBO Dream Middleweight Champion, you know? Um, mind, you, mind, mind you, he's fighting to Don Let's Let's go into that right now. You know, Cotto fights to Don Don obviously is a kid. I know since he's eight years old. I know since he's literally since he's eight years old. Matter of fact, his father called me yesterday. And I just, I'm just remembering now that we're talking about it. I didn't call him back. So I got to call Saddam's father back. Um, maybe they ever uh, ask me. Maybe they'll call me and ask me questions about Cotto. But I, I know Saddam's eight years old, and I know how talented Saddam is. I know Saddam comes. And he doesn't come to play, you know? Like he's he's always had a dream of being a world champion and his career has moved a little bit slowly. He lost the world title fight to Vargas. But he's a kid, you know, he he was the first Arab American to represent the US in the Olympics back in two thousand eight. Um he's he's a hungry, ambitious kid. And although he's floated below the radar more so than he's wanted to, he's still kind of been hovering around the top level. So I think this is his chance to really bust through. It's a great fight for both guys, I feel, because Cotto gets a retirement fight where it's not against a slouch, but it's not against a, a guy that's known, at least on paper, as a complete destroyer and killer, you know, where, where you got to be like, man, you know, what's Cotto doing, you know? Cotto is trying to go out in a respectable fashion against a really good fighter, but not a guy that, you know, uh, will also maybe risk him getting decapitated with, like, you know, uh, 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 like a guy get a Canelo, you know what I'm saying, where it's a real, real super risk fight. So, Saddam can win the fight, Cotto can win the fight, you know what I'm saying? I think it's, it's a great point for both their careers to kind of match up against each other, you know? If Saddam wins, he gets the notoriety he's been lacking, you know, right away. Because beating a Cotto at this point, no matter how old the Cotto is, Cotto's still the GMLA champion within the WBO, and uh, he's still the name, he, he still brings the name he brings. You know, so beating Cotto automatically gives Saddam all the notoriety that he's been craving. And for Cotto, beating Saddam allows Miguel to retire in a very, very respectable way. You know what I'm saying? In a very respectable way, uh, beating a one of the better fighters in, in, in the sport, even though he's a little bit underrated, he being an ex-Olympian, you know, um, you know, I think, uh, I think it's a, it's a set retirement fight where on paper it's dangerous, but it's not too dangerous. And for Saddam, if you're getting Cotto at the right time, um, if, if you're him, if you, if, you know, you, you can't not take this fight, even though it's out of your weight class, you know, that's another thing going for Cotto. It's not, is a, is a welterweight, not a junior middleweight. Um, but for Saddam, you know, you're getting him, yeah, you gotta go up and wait, but you get a world title fight out of it, and you're getting them against uh, uh, you're getting it against one of the legends of the sport. So beating him makes it makes you a world champion, and also gives you that highly, highly uh, recognizable name on your ledger to uh, continue to move, continue on with your career afterwards. You know, so but I like the fight. I like the fight for both guys, and uh, 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 I look forward to it. You know. Yeah, I was looking. I was looking at the junior middleweights. There's a, there's a bunch of guys. Even Julian Williams is, you know, he lost the. Yeah, Julian uh, Williams. Yeah, we can't see. That's what I hate, man. See, and I'm, 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 I'm culpable of that too right now. You guys lose and you forget about them. You see, I'm, I'm my fault too. I forgot about. I forgot to mention Julian Williams. I tell you, who else is moving up to, to junior middleweight? Uh, who else is moving up to junior middleweight from England? It's Kel Brook. 
So Brooks going to move up. When he comes back, we'll see how much he has left. Speaking of the English junior middleweights, you know, you obviously have uh, uh, who, who was William Smith, uh, yep. junior middleweight champion that lost to Canelo. You know, he's there. You know, he remains viable as well. What about Selecki? You like Selecki? Who? Is it, um, he's undefeated, 25-0. and 0. Selecki is his last name. His first name is M-A-C-I-A-I-E-J-J. I don't know if I've ever seen him in my life. He won his last four fights in a row in the U.S., including knockouts of decent opponents as Centino Jr. and uh, Proka, and he returned home to Poland. He's from Poland. He has, he's a bunch of knockouts. He's, okay. fighting, he's fighting Cole K. Uh, oh, he's fighting Cole K. All right. Yeah, October All right. 21st, next week. Oh, okay, cool, cool. All, All right. right. So, and, and you have Cole K there. You know, those, those Germans are a little weird. You know, I don't I don't know how good Cole K is. You know, like he's decent, but like in Germany, in Germany they'll, they'll feed you. 25 hot dog stand vendors to make your world champion. So, so, well, it's always a little bit tricky when you only fight in Germany, you know? We got an HBO fight, too. Uh, you still have to mention cocaine nonetheless, you know? Yeah, we got an HBO fight um, on Saturday as well. Machado versus Corrales. Oh, yeah. That's a, a, a super featherweight. Yep. Yeah, super featherweight. Who's the cold feature of that card? That's a, I, I think it's a nice cold feature of that card, too. That I, believe it, I, Let me look. I, believe it, I believe it's a decent cold feature on Saturday night as well on that card, if I'm not mistaken. I'm taking. I'm, I'm trying to find it because I missed that Machado one fight. A nice fight. That's a WB. I think that's a WBAG uh, super featherweight title. That's a nice Correct. fight in Verona. Your favorite place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I, I don't, I'm, I'm indifferent about it. All right. Don't get mad. Um, but where's oh, who's the cold feature uh, Ochoa? Is that the one you're talking about? Super lightweight prospect from Brooklyn. What? No, okay. that's not it. Wait, wait, wait. I got it here. I got it. Uh, Demetrius uh, Big Meech. Ballard, uh, a 10 round Super Millie fight versus uh, Lamont Roach Jr., that one? That's no. a cool feature? No, that's not the one. No, where is it? Uh, that's where they found my HBO fight. Is, is an HBO, uh, the HBO co cool feature, I think, Saturday was. I'm looking crazy. for the co cool feature. It's not yeah. telling me. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I. It's on a different card, but I, I could have sworn there was a good co cool feature on that card that had, had piqued my interest. But we'll see. Maybe, maybe it's a different card. And you're going to uh, Wales? Yeah, but I just saw a report online today that uh, Kubrat Pulev is, uh, might be injured in the fight, might be off, so I don't oh, know. Oh, Jesus uh, Christ. But, though, these Eastern Europeans are so weird, though. I don't know. These, you know like, I, I've never seen fighters pull out like European fighters pull out. They constantly, and, and, and this is minus the English, because the English never pull out. And not to say that you shouldn't pull out if you're injured. Like, I hate that. I would never, like, knock somebody for having a real injury and pulling out. But, you know, you never see the, the Brits pull out, any of the English. But, but the rest of Europe... Like, you'll randomly get these guys constantly pull out. Like, how many times did Vladimir Klitschko used to pull out? How many times, like, you'll, you'll get, like, random pull-outs, like, out, out of nowhere. You know, I remember Arthur Avian pulled out the day of the fight. Remember when he fought with Raul Marquez and he woke up with, like, a fever or something like that? And they just, they, they pulled the fight. They pulled the fight. The day of the fight. They weighed in and everything, and they pulled the fight. I guess these guys don't need any, I guess they don't need the money. Bro. A promoter would kill you if you did that in the U.S. <laughs> kill you. Are you kidding me? He'd take you to court and sue you. You know what I mean? By that point, the tickets are sold, the contracts are done, the sponsors are there, the, the everything, the way it is done. I mean, Christ's sake, everything's there. They would never let you do that. You, you're fighting. If you wake up with a fear on fight day in the U.S., dude, you're fighting. You have no shot. You, you ain't getting out of a fight. You know what I mean? So, I, in Europe, they pull out so randomly, constantly. Like, if they stump their toe, they pull out, you know? So... So, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying Fulev has a, 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 a made-up injury. This guy's a tough guy. This guy's a really good fighter. But, um, you know, I can't say I'm shocked either. You know, like, I'm, I'm disappointed if he's pulled out, but I'm not shocked because you constantly see guys pulling out over there. It's, it's, like, it's, like, it's like part of the culture. 
You sign fights, but you also pull out of fights. You think these like guys are heavily muscled? Do you think that could be an issue too? Like it sounds like he hurt. It sounds like he injured his uh, his right shoulder. Yeah, maybe. You know, I mean, well, it is what it is. I mean, if he's injured, listen, he's got to pull out. If it's a legit injury, I'm not. I can't knock him. I mean, I'm just complaining as a fan. You know, I guess I'm more like just venting. You know, Seventy thousand tickets have already been sold, Paulie. Seventy thousand. How many? Seventy thousand tickets have already imagine, been sold. Imagine the guy that's got to give that refund. They yeah. gotta get. They gotta get a replacement now, or do you think people will be pissed? Nah, nah, you can't. You can't. Enough time. But you can't put a replacement on a car like that. Yeah. Not for seventy thousand. Like you're gonna put people in ninety in a ninety thousand seat stadium, charge them the price they charge them for those tickets, and then give them a half ass fight. Yeah, you can't do that. Get, yeah. Get Klitschko to come back. Unfortunately, you got. You're gonna have a nice. A nice refund policy. You know, you have to do a lot of work to refund all those tickets. That's for sure. Seventy thousand out of seventy-eight thousand tickets. Is it officially tickets. off, or is it? I heard it was in jeopardy. Is it officially off now? It didn't say officially. It says um could be called off after Bulgarian suffers a training injury. Because mm-hmm. you think it's gonna be head games too? Uh, like, oh, maybe it'll be on, maybe it'll be off, and make kind of make Joshua like kind of lighten it, go like uh, kind of like make Joshua like take things slowly and easily to let for a couple of days, and then suddenly the fight's back on. You know? It says here he suffered an injury 10 days ago but kept it secret by his camp. I don't know. I don't know what to think. Uh, something tells me, yeah, I'm not going to Wales next week. We'll see. <laughs> okay. I'm, uh, I also have been hired this weekend, uh, this Thursday, actually. I'm working a, a, a small card on CBS Sports Network here in the U.S. for a, a real deal promotions. Real deal for uh, Randall Holyfield. Oh, nice. A company. A small show, you know, right now, Andrew's doing some, some small shows. He's got a TV Sports Network contract. Rosado? No. I don't know. I, I have emailed them for about sheet about three days ago. I'm still waiting for it. So <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know who's on the card. Where is it? So, it's on Thursday night on TV Sports Network for all of our U.S. Uh, all of our U.S. Uh, fan base. You oh, it's not it. in Vegas. Gabriel Rosado's fighting Glenn Tapia in Vegas on, on Thursday? Thursday. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's one of the probably one of the Golden Boy cards. It's a nice little card. ESPN, nice little ESPN 2. Yeah, yeah, that's a nice card. Wow, I, I'll be working the CBS Sportsnet card in Atlanta. Um, Where is it? I don't even see that on the schedule. I have to look for it. Yeah, so I, they're flying me out tomorrow. I, they they flew me out of LaGuardia Airport, which I can't stand. LaGuardia Airport is the worst airport in the world, bro. I literally flew all over the world, all over the world. To call it the worst airport in the country, it's still not good enough. That is the worst airport in the world, bro. The worst air. You can't even pick up anybody there. You gotta like pick them up at like a a pickup station where they make people take a shuttle to like this pickup station when you leave the airport. You can't leave the airport. You have to go from the airport, then you can take a shuttle to a pickup station, and then from your pickup station, you go get your ride that's picking you up with, with your friend or your family member or even an Uber or whatever, like or, or even the, the car that they sent for you, maybe your job has sent for you to pick you up. Like, you can't just get picked up at the airport. And getting dropped off is a pain in the ass, too. Like, it's like a never-ending construction job. In New York, we have two never-ending construction jobs. We have the BQE, which... Has been under construction before I'm born. We'll be under construction, <laughs> and we'll be under, and we'll be, in, and we'll still be under construction the day I die. And then you have LaGuardia Airport, which is constantly the worst airport in the world, constantly under construction, and never gets better, and it's still under construction. It's constantly. They, they are the worst. And anyway, that's what he complains. I mean, I'm happy to be working for Real Deal Promotions. I, I, I got to spend some time with Avander and Azerbaijan. He's got some great stories. I mean, people take. I mean, it's too lightly, but he's too much of a nice guy, and they think like he's a little punched up, bro. That guy has stories 
And you'll just sit down, man. If you have some coffee with him and have a couple of drinks with him and just let him tell you stories of the amateurs for earning his career, to some of the business deals gone wrong and right, and, and your sponsors and dealing with everything and dealing with the overnight success of having beaten Buster Douglas. But I was just in awe of these stories. I love hearing old school stories from old school people. I mean, it was just like so cool. Like I, and I still felt like I was barely scraping the table of the iceberg. Like I, I want to sit. I, he's the kind of guy. Like, I don't even go camping. You know, I mean, I'm from the city. I don't, I don't go camping. A lot of people in the city like to go camping. Like I'm not really a camping guy. But I'm mainly like the kind of guy where you want to go camping with him and fucking just listen to him talk. You know what I mean? And like listen to him tell you stories. You know? He's one of my favorite fighters of all all time. But, yeah, so. he's one of my favorite fighters too. But I had no idea, you know, that he's actually this talkative once you get to know him, you know what I'm saying? And he'll, he'll, you know, he's a quiet guy by nature, but once you get to know him, this guy's got great stories, bro. Like, it, it, like, it was fascinating to listen to him because he's got great experiences. It wasn't that story, we, we have the experiences to share. It, it, it was just unbelievable. Anyway, I kind of go on off topic, but I'm, I'm, no. I'm, uh, I got hired to, uh, to work his uh, uh, promotion. That's not off topic, man. You're talking about the real deal. Yeah. So anyway, I got hired to work his promotion. I don't know if, that, if it had to do with me having spent that time with him in Azerbaijan because I got home and then my manager, uh, Anthony, called me up and said somebody from Real Deal had reached out to him and they wanted to know my availability and to hire me for Thursday. So I don't know if it had anything to do with me spending time with him in Azerbaijan or not. But nonetheless, uh, um, man, if anybody if anybody out there gets to spend time with this guy, I mean, great stories, great, great story. I mean, just fascinating experiences, you know, through and through, from the amateurs to the gyms to uh, the title reign to, you know, what was going on behind the scenes of certain negotiations to endorsement deals to TV deal. I mean, just fascinating, fascinating stuff, man. I was just like listening to him. I was like a little kid in the candy store listening to him, man. It was cool. We got to get him on the show, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, got to get him on the show, man. Got to get him on the show. That would be cool. But yeah, so I'm uh, I'm doing his I'm doing working his car on Thursday night, so and I'll be back uh, I'll be back up in New York on Friday. Awesome. All right, that's it. You know, and, right? Uh, yeah. I hope uh, for Joshua's sake, I hope that fight doesn't get canceled. Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm uh, I was looking forward to it. You know, I, I've actually got a pretty busy stretch. You know, or I thought I did anyway. I'm working the Vanda Oilfield card this week. Next week, the Joshua card if it's still on. And the week after that is the Wilder card. Um, and then the week after that, November 11th. I got hired by Sky Sports to work the card in Nassau Coliseum with uh, Danny Jacobs. Because, you know, Sky Sports still has an Eddie Hearn contract, you know. So, Eddie, Eddie, even if he's got non-British fighters fighting, um, Eddie has a deal with Sky, so he'll still get Sky to televise all the fights, you know. So Nassau Coliseum, you know, that same night, uh, Bitter Beav is fighting, too, in uh, California. Is he? Oh, on wow. ESPN. Yeah, I look forward to watching him fight again. He's one of my favorite young fighters. Liam, Liam Smith is fighting the same night. There's a lot of fights that night. Very nice, very nice. Yeah. Very good. All right. All right, bro. All right, we hope we'll get Pete back next week, everybody. Break Pete's balls, please. Let him know he's got a show to show, show up to. You know, maybe he's offended. Maybe we got to call it the Magic Hour and Peter Cards. Oh, uh, is Peter that Cards. it? Or, or Peter Cards and the Magic Hour. <laughs> he's got the name Cards in his name and Magic. It kind of works. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's Magic tricks for Cards, right? I mean... <laughs> People come up with a name. You know what? It's a fan. You know, like, you know, put our listeners to come up with some kind of name, man. We gotta include Peter this too. Something I don't know. We got the magic hour. Pete's not showing up to the to the shows. We gotta make something happen. We gotta make this thing happen. All right. Africa Dabra. <laughs> Africa Dabra. I'll see you later. See you.